Hey, batter, batter. Are you ready to hit a home run with flavor? Step up to the plate and swing by Penn Station East Coast Subs, where every bite is a grand slam. Craving a classic Philly cheesesteak or maybe a savory chicken teriyaki? Or how about loading up on their delicious fresh-cut fries? Call it a triple play by ordering Penn Station's signature fresh-squeezed lemonade. When it comes to subs, Penn Station is the big league. Order online at penn-station.com or stop at a store near you. Penn Station East Coast Subs. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Some came on the subway and some arrived by train. Some came on a ferry and some an aeroplane. No matter how we get here, we all end up one way. Hello everyone and thanks for downloading episode 79 of the Glasgow is Green podcast, aka Gigpod. I'm Stevie and I'm joined by the podcast MVP himself, Rizzo, and today we're going to be discussing Celtic and Ange Postacoglu and this wonderful bunch of players, the very likeable bunch of players may I add, getting to their first final. John, it's class isn't it? That is, uh, well done to Ange and the players, he's got to a final in his very first attempt and he can't do any better than that, so well done to him and everybody at Celtic. Indeed, and also John, I think it was you in the press conference during the week that might have just made it all happen when you uttered the immaculate words, good luck Ange. It was, it was the three words that made the difference. Ange, would I said to the players in the, in the dressing room before the game, listen, don't let Reed's on the rest of gig pod down. Do it for them. <laughs> <laughs> we should have had a tifo for us, John. But what was that big throat clearing by you before the question all about? It's because I had the cold fans for a couple of weeks. Thankfully, it wasn't Gigpod. I'd done a couple of tests, which we get for nothing thanks to a wonderful Scottish government. So, uh, no, I just had a cold and I was desperately trying to clear my throat to make sure I didn't have any phlegm. And unfortunately, I did a big throat clearing just as I was getting ready to talk to the great man. But no, uh, it was good to talk to you, Ange, and I think we're doing it again sometime in December. So that is something for everybody at GigPod and the listeners to look forward to. Indeed. So for the listeners that want to know more, basically Celtic got all the sort of fan media together, podcasts, blogs, um, YouTuber guys, everyone. 
and just said they're going to start doing a rota now um, and ourselves and pod tims were the first so we did the pre-game coverage with Ange John didn't let us down so what a guy he is but the next one we are rotated in for is pre-game against Hibs in December so that's one to look forward to but we'll talk about things closer to home here John and Hamden it was a day out yesterday quarter past five kickoff what did you do before the game? What was your big day out at Hamden like? Tell the, the listeners, I'm sure they'd love to know how John Reid spent it. It wasn't very interesting. I went and got a bus to the game, and then I went, went to the game, went and bought booze, and then went and bought a Subway sandwich, fact fans, and then I went home. <laughs> <laughs> wow. and I, no, but I was going to try and contact you during the game, but I couldn't get a signal at all. That's my excuse anyway. My phone was absolute waste of time during the game yesterday. Hamden, get that sorted for if we get the tickets for the final. Right, well, hold on a minute. Let's elaborate a bit more. You get booze. What type of booze did you get? Cronenberg 1664, if they're wanting to uh, to send us some freebies. And what was your Subway sandwich like? What did you get on it? It was a veggie deluxe. I got uh, cheese, cucumber, tomatoes, sweet corn, gherkins and olives and mayonnaise sounds absolutely terrible well john i know that you're ignorant and you're not going to ask me what i did before the game however i think you know that i was out on the friday and i had a great time do you know what i did on the saturday i went to by a mad rush i went to that place penang have you heard of it in st vincent street i haven't no and it's not where we're going when you treat me to a free meal because i won the competition fans don't know what you're talking about but anyway i went to penang that was great <laughs> for lovely thai food and then i had a mad rush to get home to get changed into my celtic gear out of my ordinary clothes and then run to hamden where i had to meet hamish and ditch all the filming gear at my relatives so i, I didn't have any booze before the game but do you know what i did have after it what did you have i had a wonderful lasani a uh, gig pod listeners might know for, for the first run that john you know about lasani don't you yes it's one of one of the true greats one of the great takeaways in the south side it's in mount florida it's very near hamden park and um, hamish and me went there after we did the 67 hail hail um video yesterday it was absolutely brilliant but spent a while in there didn't have any booze and then went home where i was shattered and just killed so that's nearly five minutes now thought about our personal lives should we probably talk <laughs> about celtic now well that was probably more exciting than the game yesterday to tell you the truth because that game was poor yeah now on 67 Hill Hill after the game yesterday, myself and Hamish had their usual 20-minute chat where we had to talk about the game, but it was very difficult because it, it says more about Celtic persevering more than anything. It was, a, it was a rotten game of football, but that wasn't Celtic's fault. St Johnston didn't come to play. They came to make it very difficult, and for the most part, they did. But John, I don't know about you, I never felt troubled during the game, and I always felt we would be okay. I felt we would get the goal one way or another, did you not? I was a bit fearful when they got to the last 20 minutes that it might go away extra time, because I think that's what St. Johnson were playing for. And to tell you the truth, I think it's I think it's because we were playing St. Johnson. I don't think people were fearful, even though they'd done brilliant in the Cups last season and were Scotland's most successful team last season. Nobody really treats them as like big dogs. I mean, if it was Rangers or even Hibs or Hearts or Aberdeen, I think there'd be a bit of a panic if it was nothing each of 20 minutes to go. And the fact that St. Johnson created practically nothing, most of their chances came from Celtic doing that dilly-dally and passing at the back and Joe Hartnell got caught a couple of times. But no, I was always confident we'd win because St. Johnson was so dour and negative, but that's their prerogative and it was up to us to break them down and get the goal. I totally agree with that, John. And one of the things that I thought was really good about Hamden yesterday is you know, we do slag the National Stadium off, it's usually a dodge, it's, it's never, it, just getting there is a bit of an ordeal, you know, if you don't live 
in the sort of G forty two area in the south side. There's not very good links and everything. And when you're at the stadium, you feel so detached from the play. And it's a rotten. I mean, I had a rotten view yesterday. But I'll say one thing. I thought the atmosphere yesterday was absolutely brilliant. And I think the players definitely rose to that and it inspired them, especially when you talk about, you know, the, the T4 and everything, the 67th minute for Bertie Old. It was absolutely stunning before the game as well. It was just a really electric atmosphere. It was very positive, wasn't it? And I think that sort of thing really helped at Hamden. It's not always like that. But I think the big factor was probably the quarter past five kickoff time, wasn't it? Aye, that helped. I think, as you said, the, the atmosphere was fantastic. It was really good for a cup final against a sort of provincial team for Scotland. Who And I was uh, quite near their fans, and they had very few fans of the game. Only a couple of thousand, if that. And I mean, that's just as enjoyable as a big club. But no, interestingly enough, I mean, even though Celtic weren't really creating chances, where I was, like, the, the crowd weren't really getting in the team's back. They were supporting them, and I think that may have been a lot to do with the stuff with Bertie as well. The Tifo before the game was uh, great, well, it spelled out Bertie's name, but even better in the sixth, seventh minute when I think it was the Green Brigade, and you had the, the big sort of banner with Bertie's face on it, and they were letting off flares and stuff. I thought that was fantastic, and that really could have uh, inspired, like, I think the whole atmosphere uh, in the whole of the game, because I thought it was interesting that. I think previously, if we're struggling in a cup game, a semi-final, people would have been getting on the team's back, but I didn't really notice it yesterday, and as you say, well done to the fans, I thought the atmosphere was really very good, I think the kickoff time helped, and it's just a pity that I don't think there'll be another kickoff time like that this season. Actually, see the kickoff time against Rangers two years ago, was that not like a five o'clock kickoff? Not it was three. Was that three? It felt like later though, didn't it? Probably because it was a very, very, very long game. <laughs> it felt like three years that game, no 90 minutes. John, what do you make of uh, the wonderful Scottish government guy here, James Dornan? Did you see his tweet? Uh, I just saw it briefly, but I can't really remember what he said, but I think he was moaning about the fans or something. Yeah, I want to get your opinion on it, and the fans in general, because he has said Celtic in the semi-final under our new Australian manager. And what are the fans singing? Not Celtic songs, but IRA songs. This will be the Green Brigade telling us just how important they are again. John, the Green Brigade have never once come out saying how important they are. They're just a fans group like any other, but they don't hold themselves higher than others. They happen to bring more positivity than negativity to games in general. And I thought they were fantastic yesterday. And see, to be honest, when it comes to, aye, I'm not going to be naive and say there was the one of these songs being sang, but do you really care? Because it's not harming anyone and See, to be honest, there's bigger things to worry about, isn't there? I think there was a lot of Celtic songs yesterday. I think there was a lot more Celtic-related songs than usual. And I think that was probably a tribute to Bertie and what well, paying tribute to him. But no, I think in general, the Green Brigade have been good for Celtic. Some add-ons, I mean, big deal. It's You know what, even, I'll just say, see if it's Rangers fans singing their add-ons. Do. John, me and you are never the type to go on Twitter and social media and complain about it. They're just songs. It's not harming MD. And it is what it is. It's been going about for what, since me and you have been supporting Celtic, it's never going to change. The biggest thing that happened this weekend in Scottish football was that a Dundee United fan pushed a player, an Aberdeen player. That is the biggest thing that happened in Scottish football this weekend. Know what Celtic fans sang or what Rangers fans all sang. That that was terrible, I thought. I mean, I know it's not a Dungeon United slash Aberdeen podcast, but if something like that happened as Celtic game or a Rangers game, I think. It'd be bedlam. And that really was terrible. I mean, that's that guy, I think he's been charged the day I saw. And but I heard that he didn't get th- uh, thrown out. I get told apparently 
he was told like 10 minutes later you better just leave for your own safety or something but John Ali McCoy used to Neil Lennon had an argument after the 2011 Cup game and it led to a summit like can you imagine if that was like a Celtic or Rangers fan that did that at a game can you imagine what a wonderful Scottish government how they would react to that probably uh, make a new sort of vaccine passport law just for Celtic and Rangers fans I'd say <laughs> <laughs> no, or just kidding, Scottish government, you know we love you. Getting back to the game now, John, it was largely uneventful, wasn't it? We had Sean, great guy, Rooney, um, clattering into Stephen Wells. That was terrible, that, by the way. That no, but apparently, that. Sean, but no, but wait, Sean Rooney has a drink in, uh, in support Celtic, so he's a great guy, apparently. No, that was terrible. I don't want to talk about referees, and the legendary uh, Nick Walsh was the referee who uh, managed to miss dreadful challenges, but sees some. But no, that was a stonewall red card. And Welsh had to go off. I, I know we don't talk about referees because that's a Stephen Gerrard, whoever he is, uh, thing. But, no, that was... He just went and elbowed him right in the face. He'd done him. And I, when I saw the reaction, first of all, he's going to get sent off. But then I thought, he probably won't. And then it was a yellow card. And then like, when the game was nearly done, he was running about booting St. Johnson players. But, no, that was an absolutely terrible uh, a terrible challenge. It really should have been a red card. I really don't know why it wasn't. It was terrible. It was our pal James Forrest that came on and scored. I thought a bad John was anonymous throughout the game. Just, he was missing the entire match. And again, a bad has done well for us. And I now think that this is maybe the time that Forrest, that, that goal was a big statement goal. Because I think from now on, Forrest should be the starter on the right. And I think a bad should be more of an impact player. Like we've been talking about, he's got the ability to do that. Um, I think Forrest with his experience, especially in big games as well, John. I know a lot of people will go through James Forrest and generally get quite irate at him, say he's not a big game player. But when you look at his stats and you look at it, it's now 96 goals, I believe, John, from a wide player as well, that you can't really downplay that. And I think Forrest is going to have to be starting for us, certainly for the game against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, he's certainly done well for us in Europe in the past as well. Yeah, when I finally got my signal and I texted you, uh, or we texted each other last night, I did say that Forrest should start every game, and that's no slight on a badder who I think has done well for us, but he's only young. I think he's only 20, and he's he's only been here a few months. And No, I really do think that Forrest should be back in the team. I think yesterday would have been different if we'd scored an early goal. You know how we had those sort of half chances at the start when Jota, who was brilliant, was like wreaking havoc in the wing, and he put in a couple of good balls, and St. Johnson managed to uh, scramble away. I think if we'd got an early goal, they would have to have come out, and I think we would have probably won like 3 or 4 nothing. I think the way they're set up is just defend, defend, and like try and get on like second balls for like free kicks and long balls. And I think I seen people complaining about the performance, and I I really didn't think it was a very good performance. But in a semi final, it's all about winning. And if you've got somebody like Forrest who's on the bench, who's a match winner, that's all the better. And I really think uh, also we're missing Tom Rogic badly. I know that Ange said in the press conference all day that he's hopefully going to be back uh, maybe for Leverkusen and if not then Aberdeen and we really do miss him, I think that game yesterday would have been brilliant for him who he'd have like, found the space for players and wouldn't he have been having like, to deal with like, 10 St. Johnson men behind the ball at some stage which they had which I mean that's their prerogative and it's got them success but I couldn't have watched that football every week, it's just dire, Damon Livingston, I mean I think that's something we might need to briefly talk about is when they be able to break down teams that are playing so many men behind the ball because I think a lot of teams, especially at Celtic Park, I'll just like put as many men behind the ball as possible because you know that we find it hard to break them down. Five years ago, do you remember the game against Rangers? The one 0 game going on like 
ten now when Brendan Rogers was first in charge and Dembele scored that wee back heel. We were much we created much more chances in that game though. Okay, what I'm not talking about the the performance, what I mean is the, the angst among the fans because that day, um I remember ah it was weird because like I was stressing out that day. I think I must have been one of the only fans eh, not nothing to do with that website, everyone, but I must have been one of the only fans <laughs> in the st- in the in the stadium to be stressing out that game against Rangers and the relief when we scored was unreal, even though like ninety nine percent of other fans there would have been absolutely calm because they knew how much chances we were, we were creating. I just felt against Rangers that day that it, all it was going to take was a break and a bit of luck for them that they might have got and you know, we were out of the cup. Fast forward five years later now, um and I've got a bit more grey hair joining and I've seen it all before where yesterday it was like the shoe was in the other foot because I was completely calm the entire time. Now, I wasn't at the game with the people I'm at Celtic Park with and everything, or even like Hamish or yourself for that. I was sitting uh, by myself, get a violin out, everyone. But genuinely, <laughs> I, I never once felt as if I was going to be stressing out at all, even at now now, and even when it went to the six minutes injury time announcement. I felt completely fine. I felt... No matter what, we were in, we were going to get through to the final one way or another. It wasn't a case of being arrogant about it and just thinking we had to turn up. I just saw enough in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes that we were keeping the ball. St. Johnson were just sitting behind it. They were doing a lot of chasing and they were going to tire eventually. And they slacked off just for one moment and we took advantage of it. Thanks to Forrest and the brilliant work by Jota. But I just felt even, you know, the six minutes injury time, a lot of people, John, were really, really getting nervous and uh, stressed out next to me. And I'm going... I don't understand this. Like, I'm obviously, I'm, we all watch the same game. We all act different, and everyone's got different personalities. But John, did you ever feel even when the referee announced uh, there was going to be six minutes injury time? Did you feel, oh God, this could be trouble for us? Because I thought we were going to see it out fine. I didn't see anything at all from St. Johnston to think that he could really, really put us under pressure here. No, I thought we'd be fine. But the only slight worry I had was that when Ange made the uh, the interesting decision to take off probably three or better players in injury time and replaced them. Like we took Edge off and Kyogo, and I thought, if we give away a goal here, because I know, I mean, St. John's had a free kick, like an hour half, and I think like 96 minutes or something, I thought, if we give away a goal here and the go tricks of time, <laughs> we're going to have a right hard time. But no, there was even people leaving, by the way, before injury time started, so I think they obviously must be confident they would be fine. But as I say, again, I think a big reason for that is that it's St. Johnson, and again, no disrespect to the most successful team in Scotland last season, but nobody, I think, will ever take them seriously as the big dogs. Like, they're a wee team. They don't play good football. I think if it was, like, even somebody like Motherwell, there'd be a lot more concern because I think they beat Hearts yesterday. So, no, there was never really any danger. I was just a bit concerned when it was nothing. You might go to extra time. But I always thought we'd a goal on us, and I didn't think St. John's did because that just isn't the way they're, the way they're sort of capable of playing. And also, am I right in saying St. Johnston? I know they won the last four games out of four at Hamden, but that was all without any fans there, wasn't it too? Aye, they won both the Cups last season. They didn't play uh, Celtic or Rangers, who are supposedly the biggest teams in Scotland, and there wasn't any fans either. So, I mean, they beat St. Marin, Hibs, uh, Livingston, and I can't remember who the other team was. But, I mean, they didn't really play the bigger teams in the league, apart from Hibs, I'd say, in the cup final, and Hibs didn't turn up in that game. We're not right in saying a wonderful Scottish government, John, that we would never criticise, actually denied any St Johnston fans being there for the cup final, didn't they? They did, and that was a pity, because 
that has been one of the best things about this season. The, I mean, imagine that game yesterday behind closed doors. It would have been just dreadful. But like, with that huge support Celtic had just there, that really added to it. And I know that they might be bringing in more sort of rules next week, but hopefully none of them affect uh, football fans. Yeah, I mean, I'm going on record here and saying that any restrictions that possibly could be brought in and I don't know how much hot water I'll be in from the pod chiefs here John but I will certainly not be listening to the government in this case complied before just like everyone else but they cannot be targeting anyone going to the football this time do you agree? No I don't think they will I mean I don't think they'll ever be like that sort of lockdown where fans don't go to games again I mean I know that's been having a lot in Europe like and Holland they played behind closed doors all night and they are playing behind closed doors or league games and I think people are really annoyed about it but no, I, I just kind of see that happen. Well, there's fans going to games in England. I think there'll always be fans going to games in Scotland. And that's the end of the politics, possibly, for this episode. <laughs> but maybe no. We have to talk about the Jota rumours, the Bernard Higgins rumour, this free meal nonsense, and also our schedule in the next 10 minutes before we round up. But before that, John, I have got a hell of a shoot to do. Can I go ahead with the person I was sitting next to at Hamden? Yes, and if he finds out who you're bars, you, that's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was yesterday where I was, uh, D27 at Hamden. See, I'm even saying where it was in um, row MM. There you go. So if you are listening, this is where I was, and you'll know my face because I also talked about it on 67 Hail Hail with Hamish. The only thing is, I couldn't do the massive shoot on it with Hamish because there was someone at the car park behind us screaming up and trying to get himself on the camera, and we had to cut it, and it lost the full weight of the shoot. So here it goes. Now, yesterday, as I said, sitting uh, myself at the game, and there was a boy to the right of me with another couple of people, and he spent... John, you know how my rate I was because I, I messaged you pretty much like right after the game just yes. saying how it was a good win. But now, this boy spent 80 minutes watching the Green Brigade. His head was fixated on what the Green Brigade were doing. Um, and as I say, they bring a lot to the Celtic support. I'm not going to sit and criticise them. The Green Brigade here are blameless. But this boy was just watching them for 80 minutes and he must have watched only about 10 minutes of the game. I mean, even the Green Brigade, they're watching the game majority of the time as well. Honestly, it really got me so worked up and I just found myself, my blood was boiling just watching this boy. Like, I know a fan could have been there, like a normal fan watching the game who was unable to go because this guy took his place and just spent the entire time watching another set of fans. It was, to me, utterly, utterly fucking bizarre. Um, and I can only assume that maybe he had some difficulties or something, but I just wanted to get that out of my system, John, because... <laughs> Honestly, what what a nightmare it was just having to watch him doing that the entire game. I've got no comment to making the entire thing. <laughs> Nothing to say. Lastly, on the Scottish Cup, after your uh, rant there, on the League Cup, I mean, the the Premier Sports Cup, of course, a wonderful company. <laughs> um, we're recording this before today's uh, second semi-final between Rangers and Hibs. And who do you think will be playing in next month's final? Um, I think it's going to be Rangers. But I don't think they're going to cruise it. I think it will be a very narrow win for them. I think it's probably going to be Rangers as well. I think they'll probably be hyped up because of the Van Broken first thing. I just don't think really Hibs are... They'll have something they played, of course, for a couple of weeks because of COVID as well. I think that'll affect them. And I think it'll be a Celtic Rangers final. And I think it's on the 20th of December. 19th of December. Oh, 19th. Right, OK. I know it's, I know it's near Christmas, but... What a treat that'll be. We can even maybe go for the winning meal. No, we're better off and they'll go for it that day because it'll be 
Stressful enough as it is. Indeed, and I'll be sick, no doubt, um, when I look at the bill, John, and I'll be unable to go and enjoy <laughs> the game. But, uh, good luck, of course, though, today to Jack Shitrosser. Aye, I mean, he's never won any big games as a manager. Maybe it'll also be the first time, and uh, then he can revert back to normal in the final. We can beat them. Okay, now we're going to talk about the rules that we saw this morning. First off, uh, Portuguese journalist Pedro Almeida, I believe, was saying that Celtic are now going to be stepping up. It's going to be a 7.5 million euro bid for Jota on a permanent transfer. John, I think that's welcome news for everyone, isn't it? Oh, it'd be fantastic. He was our best player yesterday by an absolute mile. I mean, he, he was practically the only player that was attacking like, for the first minute. And even with the goal, it was all down to him. Like He took advantage of Xander Clark's missed kick and he burst into the box and crossed it in. And that ended up leading to the goal. No, he would be an absolutely fantastic signing. I think he's been even better than Kyogo. I know that everybody goes uh, crazy over Kyogo because of the goals he scored, and rightfully so, and his attitude and all that. I think Joe has done even better. I mean, he came into Celtic right at the end of the transfer window. He like, didn't know like, Ange like Kyogo and like, knew Ange with the time in Japan. But no, I think he's been uh, brilliant. He's, I think he should be, if he keeps up this form, he should be uh, Scotland's player of the year, but you never know. They'll probably get to, I don't know, a Rangers player for being brave or something. Patterson. <laughs> Parson, because he's good for Scotland, even though yeah, he never plays for Rangers. No, <laughs> sorry, I just get distracted there. No, I think uh, Jota has been brilliant, and that would be money well spent, even if it is a lot of money for us. I just think the board need to do something to get the fans back on their side, and as we'll talk about in a minute, but that would uh, be a big way to get the fans back if we announced in the 1st of January, the day before we play Rangers, that we've signed them on a permanent contract. That would be the ideal thing to do. So we'll probably not do that. That won't be Celtic's way, as you say, John. At times, we can be the world's stupidest club. And um, before I move on to us being the world's stupidest club, at times, if you are in the if you're like a top beak at Benfica, you must really be kicking yourself with that Jota thing, Noah. I really don't understand what they're thinking because he's just a very, very good player, and he'd probably be doing well in Portugal, I'd say, in that league. But no, thanks to him for uh, letting us get Jota, who has just been fantastic. I think he's been Celtic's best player this season. There's another rumour, John, that was out today. Bernard Higgins is rumoured to be starting at Celtic Park on the 5th of January. I have no words on that one. Wouldn't shock me at all. We saw at the AGM during the week that you missed. First time in, what, 10 years or something? Not even getting a biscuit review. But the fact that the board didn't even talk about it, John. And, no, this was a like a business operations meeting, and still, no one mentioned they, anything about, you know, the, the Bernard Higgins thing was just, it was very, it was very much glossed over, Dominic McKay wasn't even brought up or anything, it was almost as if he didn't exist, it's mad because it's, the board are very lucky now that things are going well on the pitch, and we've won a watch in Ange, because if we didn't have Ange, and we didn't have the players that we did, then they'd be in a lot of fucking trouble now. I I think before we talk about Bernard Higgins, the thing that really uh, surprised me about the AGM, which sadly I missed, was nothing about Dominic McKay. Nobody asked about him or anything. And I know everybody's rightfully not up my arms about the Bernard Higgins things, but the Bernard Higgins uh, possible appointment, but that doesn't really affect Celtic on the pitch. The Dominic McKay stuff does, but that was just weird. And we didn't hear anything about that. And it's quite interesting as well that Ange uh, sort of in the press conference sort of shot down the fact that I think the director of football is just out the window completely. That's not going to happen now. 
I think it was if Ange hadn't got the job, but when he talked about it in the press, the press conference all day, he he did say that that isn't going to happen. I think he's still going to take a big role in what's ha- uh, happening, like all that the different football departments, Celtic, him and Michael Nicholson, but director of football's out the window. But no, the AGM, I was, it was good to see the fans were uh, annoyed about last season, and rightfully so, because Celtic really did make a mess of last season. But no, I can't really say I'm in favour of Bernard Higgins' appointment. No disrespect to a wonderful police force in Scotland. But no, it just... I mean, Celtic have got time to change it, but it would be sort of typical of the Celtic board just to appoint him a couple of days after the derby. And I can see the protests continuing. I can see them. I can see them escalating. Maybe more protests. Maybe like some fans like come maybe walk out during the game or something that could happen. But no, I can see it's uh, it's the best rumor in the world. I've got to say. You know, we we've all already talked about our feelings about Bernard Higgins and we pretty much stand with any protest against him, whether that be the official fans groups or just any individual in general, that as long as the protests are done in a, a, a safe way as well, then we are totally behind them. I think you're the same as well, John, but I, I can't get my head around that. It's it's almost like the board. It's like last season with Lennon, they had an opportunity to nip something in the bud, put things right, and then you saw what happened. It spiralled out of control. And it turns out that the the entitled Neds, apparently, that were protesting against it, turned out to be in the right after you saw the utter mess that unfolded. And it's going to be the same again, John. You know, it won't be. It won't be. As, it won't be as bad as like the Lenny thing because that affects uh, what happens in the pitch. And uh, no matter what everybody thinks, the most important thing at Celtic is what's happening on the pitch. The results on the pitch. I mean, I know that Bern- the Berlin Tigers thing is very, very poorly put it mildly. But I mean, I don't, th- I don't think the protests will be as uh, severe if things are going to be on the pitch. But I don't remember they will when that's people's up to people's prerogative. If they feel strong enough and it is something to be annoyed about, then fair enough. But I think at Celtic, what's happening on the pitch will always take precedence over what's happening off the pitch, and I think that's the same with every football team. Yeah, I think I agree with you that the most important matters are the ones on the pitch. But what's happened to a lot of young guys, John, and a lot of football fans in Scotland because of this man? Can't just be forgotten, even if Celtic are swatting teams aside, 3 and 4 now, we're top of the league, and we're looking like we're going to, you know, we, we, we could have already won a cup by then, and we look as if we're on course to win, win more. Like, you know, with this guy, I mean, the role that he had to play in ruining a lot of young guys' lives really can't be forgotten about, and I hope that's never overshadowed just for how well Celtic are doing on the pitch. No, that's true, and just think if, if Neil and Alan McCoy suddenly once shouted at each other for 10 seconds and None of this would have happened. It's just mad that our beloved, wonderful government went so ridiculous over what was on the face of it. No, even that. I mean, there's been bigger incidents in Glasgow derbies. I mean, all it was was two managers who are highly strong, I think I'd say. Uh, just shouting each other. Well, in fact, McCoy was the assistant manager. And just two managers like, shouting each other, and there was a couple of red cards. There's, that, there's been worse things in Glasgow derbies since then. Like, been, in history there's been a lot worse I, I think it was really just I don't know, let's just say I'm not sure if the Scottish Government are fond of football or wonderful Scottish Government and I think that gave, that was an excuse just to put their boot into football fans, I'm sure the SNP fans are not going to be happy about that but I don't really think that a wonderful government really like football that much Alexander, Alex, Salmond thank you for your legacy there 
<laughs> yes. Right, John, before we talk about, well, before you talk about this free meal nonsense, Celtic have a ridiculous schedule between now and January the 2nd that you wanted to also talk about. Aye, we're going to be playing, I think, twice a week between now and then in Europe, the League Cup final and in the league. And I think that's going to be a real test for Ange and the players. I think this is going to be, a, I know we talked about like that run that we've done the prediction for. We're not doing a prediction this time. No, but, we're not. No, we're not. But we talked about the runs away games. It's like, this is going to be defining. But I think this is really going to be defining for Ange and Celtic because will I go through the games? Well, I'm the host, John, and I'll take us through them, if you don't mind. On you go. So, Leverkusen, away from home. Then we're at home to Aberdeen. We're at home to Hearts. We're away to Dundee United. We're at home to Real Betis in the final Europa League game. We're then at home to Motherwell and away to Ross County. And after that, we'll have the final of the Premier Sports Cup. Then we're going to be away to St Johnston, home to Hibs. And then, before the winter break, is the big one, home to Rangers. It's quite a run. As I think probably the best, the better thing is that most of the games are at home and will be excellent at home, apart from that uh, missed penalty against Livingston and the draw with Dungeon but another game we probably should have won. No, but it, it'll be good to have... Uh, well, it's good that Forrest's back. Hopefully Julian will be back as well. And Starfield, because I think Starfield will be playing well before his injury. Rogic as well, I think, will be massive for these games. I mean, I you know we're talking about Forrest being back for Thursday. I mean, to me, Thursday's a free hit. I would rather have Forrest uh, for Aberdeen in the starting lineup because... The Aberdeen game is bigger than the Leverkusen game. I mean, I know we've still got a chance of making top two, but I think it's a very slim chance, and I think Leverkusen will probably beat us. And he's so, got a great record against Aberdeen too. He has. In fact, Scott Brown's come back. I'm annoyed that it's sold out now, because it would have been good to applaud old Bruni. But uh, no, I really think that it's going to be a massive taste. But the thing is, we are playing well. The only game, we've, I think we've won maybe eight or nine or nine out of ten games, and the only one we've not won is Livingston. We really should have. If, GG and he missed that penalty. No, I'm confident we can do well and if we're there and thereabouts by the time we've played Rangers in January, I hope that the board, who we've been critical of, go out and spend the money to get the players in that can take us to what would be, in my opinion, an unlikely league title, but we're more than capable of doing it. But I think this run will uh, play a big part in that because does night away will be quite difficult. Hearts are playing decent, Aberdeen never easy no it'll be a big test but something to look forward to thank you all the episodes of gig pod you'll get as well yeah, i'll tell you about john we're going to be there every step of the way at gig pod aren't we yes yes we are <laughs> very enthusiastic thank you brother right now there's going to be more enthusiasm then isn't there because you're going to be talking about who won a competition to get a free meal so <sighs> the floor is yours it was me i won the prediction competition and i'm just trying to see if i've got the results so we can uh Go over it. Yes, I have. Uh, <laughs> the funniest thing is, see, for the Hibs game, we both predicted that we'd draw, and of course we won easily. And then for Livingston, we both predicted we'd thrash them, and uh, we drew, of course. But you had little faith in Celtic to beat French Varos. Both games, you went for... The first game, you went for a draw, and the second game, you went for French Varos to win, and of course beat them twice and they were terrible and they were terrible but the thing is you would have won if Dundee hadn't scored that second goal 
because you had 4-1 sailed in that prediction, and if it had been 4-1, you would have won. But thank you, Joe Hart, for coming out and making that blunder, because it means that I won the prediction competition. So thanks, Joe Hart. Yeah, I think it's personal myself, as a legend said in 2012. <laughs> he did, yes. So I won, and I want to go for a Japanese meal. I hope you enjoy your meal. I look forward to my meal and all the, the Japanese beer I can drink. I'll get it, I'll get every time I get a, a starter, I'll get two pints for myself, none for you. Then for the actual meal, two pints for myself, none for you. And you're paying for it all, so thank you. Thank you, brother, for that. Don't you ever try and mug me off again. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I'll let you do your sign-off. Listeners, this has been an emotional episode, and not just after the Bertie Old tribute, but because I'm going to have to actually dip into my pocket and buy John something, which is a sore one for me. But with your support, I'm going to set up a wee GoFundMe so that I can try and still enjoy Christmas. So. <laughs> John, take it away. Hey, thanks, Stevie. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back most likely after the Bayer Leverkusen game. You know where to find us all by now in the usual podcast platforms and you can leave us five stars and reviews and tell us how great we are. But we'll see you after the Leverkusen game. Speak to you all soon. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.